0: What is a Miley? What is a Cyrus? And what is a Miley Cyrus? The EU general court rules that if you're famous, you can come in second and still win. We're here today with Rob McLaughlin at the European firm Ready and Gross to talk about this exciting trademark case. This is Stuff You Should Know About IP. Today's episode of Stuff You Should Know About IP is brought to you by the Trademark Lawyer Magazine. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on in the world of IP and trademarks, go to www.trademarklawyermagazine.com. Each issue is free to read for up to eight weeks. That's trademarklawyermagazine.com for global news in the world of trademarks. Okay, so Tom, Rob, Let's yeah. So talk about Tom's favorite musician, Miley Cyrus. Yeah,
1: and it, it is. It absolutely is. The reason I love this episode is because I love Miley Cyrus. More importantly, I love Hannah Montana. Okay. Because oh. <laughs> when my daughters were growing up in their primary, like three to ten age, Hannah Montana was what we watched constantly, and then she became Miley Cyrus, of course, because she's Billy Ray's daughter. I don't just like Miley Cyrus and I love her music, but I like Billy Ray because when I was younger, he was a really popular guy. So I like it all. And when I saw this, I thought, what a great opportunity. And and Rob, you're going to give us the detail, but kind of at a quick high level, we have Miley Cyrus and her company, Smiley Miley Inc., trying to get pra- trademark protection on Miley Cyrus. And I think it was in like 2014. Yeah. And when they went to do it, there was a company out there that already had a trademark on Cyrus and there was a little bit of overlapping products, I think, and they opposed enter Rob McLaughlin.
2: Yeah. So that's, that's a really good summary, Tom. Thanks for that. So like this case is, is actually, is one of a few big ones in EU trademark law that deal with this idea of, um, of conceptual difference. Right. And the idea is that even when, um, even when you've got two marks that look really similar and sound really similar, if they mean completely different things, then consumers are not gonna get confused between them, right? And so in some situations, this this conceptual difference can be so powerful that it it overrides all of the other similarities between the marks, right? And um, in these, like there's been a few of them um, in these big cases, they've actually all oddly enough been about famous people Trying to um, trying to register their names as trademarks. In fact, in fact, there's one of them where the famous person already had a trademark registration of their name, and they were trying to stop someone else come in and get a registration for something similar, right? So in in a, in this situation or, or in either of those two situations, what you've got is you're comparing two trademarks, and you're trying to work out if consumers would be confused between them. But one of the trademarks is the name of a celebrity the name of a famous person. And the the idea behind this case is that consumers know that person's name. They know what that trademark refers to. So even if the other trademark's really close, they're still not going to be confused between them. And, and it's actually it's the main reason why I find this Miley Cyrus case so interesting because, because it's a really good example of, of this principle. So, um, so basically, Rob, before you go on, <clears throat> I think what
1: I'm hearing is Normally, or maybe always, the question is in in this scenario is will the consumers be confused as to the source or origin of the products or services that are represented by the trademark? So if I'm buying a product, the the world of trademark law doesn't want me to be confused as to who it is that makes or sells that product, right? Exactly, exactly. So then when we have a trademark like Cyrus, and that's already out there and then we have miley cyrus trying to get a trademark on her name for similar goods people might be confused
2: if you're just looking at the phonetics and the visual right that's that's the legal background that's where cyrus coming coming from definitely yeah so shall we shall we we catch all the listeners up to speed should we give them all the um all like the basic facts of the case and
1: Yes, and, and yes, let's do that. The terminology
2: that we're going to use just catch everyone yeah. up to speed. So, we're talking, you know, as, as we've very clearly made, we're talking about a trademark law here. So, like, what's a trademark? As you were saying, it's a sign that you use to identify your goods and, and your services. And Miley Cyrus uses her own name as a trademark to identify her services. So, like, um, I don't know, like her, her music and her acting. And, uh, and, and some goods, like maybe some merchandise and stuff like that. And, and this is what she tried to register. She tried to register the name, uh, the two words, Miley Cyrus. And so I guess the next question is what's a trademark registration. So um, as you, as you were saying, this is an IP, right? That allows you to prevent someone else from using the same or, or a similar trademark. If this would cause consumer confusion, or if this would harm your own trademark right and and in this scenario in the miley cyrus scenario the trademark that she's trying to register is is her name and that's that's kind of unusual like a name is is a is a but quite a niche category of trademark like most trademarks are are just words, like made up words like i don't know like google or or maybe they have a meaning but it's not quite connected like amazon or apple or yankees or, or coca cola and there's not like like Having a trademark that is your name is, is quite a niche thing to do. And normally it's famous people who are trying to register their names as trademarks. And the logic here is that they're trying to, um, to get some legal control over who can use their name in a commercial context, You know, who can use their name for financial gain. Like, um, like say Miley had a registration for uh, covered like clothing, and, like women's apparel and, and, and things like that. Then, um, then this would give her legal rights to stop other people using her name on unofficial merchandise, right? So,
1: so, so, so she has a trademark, Miley, let's say she had a trademark for Miley Cyrus for clothing. Yeah. Somebody else comes out with Miley Cyrus for clothing because, hey, Miley is already famous. She no. spent a fortune on building a reputation. If I yeah. sell Miley Cyrus clothing, I could make money without having to do much in the marketplace. Exactly. That's she, not cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's what a trademark registration does. It, it, um, it allows the owner to prevent other people from using the exact same mark or a similar mark for the exact same goods or, or similar goods. That's, uh, that's its function. And, um, and these registrations, right, they're, they're territorial rights. They only apply in the country where they're granted. So, so you know, the US government grants, US trademark registrations, like the UK government grants, UK ones and, and so on. But, um, but here in the EU, you can get a trademark registration which covers the entire EU. So that's, that's all 27 countries. And this is what Miley tried to do. She, um, she files an application uh, for an EU trademark. But, um, but part of the process of, of getting an EU trademark is this, this three month window. Where other people can come along and oppose uh, your application. Um, you see, because a trademark registration doesn't just give you the right to prevent someone else from using the same or similar mark, which is um, that's that's when you sue them for infringement, like in the example we were just discussing. But a trademark registration also allows you to stop someone else coming along later and then getting their own trademark registration for a mark which is the same or similar to your one, and um, and you can stop them doing this by opposing their application. And in this case, it was a company called Cyrus Trademarks Limited, um, who came along and opposed the Miley Cyrus application. And um, then this, this company they're connected with uh, this British brand of audio equipment called Cyrus Audio. they make like speakers and, and hi-fis and, uh, and things like that. And so they have this registration. I don't know if, if any of us have it open in a document if we can pull it up, put it on the screen maybe.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll put it on, can at, the Ray marks. can put it on after yeah, we'll the fact. So assume it's on the screen right now, Rob.
2: I will do, we'll do. But yeah, I'll describe it for people who are just listening to the podcast, who aren't watching. It. It's like it's the word Cyrus written in capital letters. And it's, you know, you guys have seen the mark. It's, it very obviously says the word Cyrus. It's not really like heavily stylized, it's not yeah. really figurative. It's just got a right. few um, stripes down the middle, basically. Yeah. And this this registration, <laughs> it covers. Various types of uh, of audio equipment like loudspeakers and hi-fi's, and it's uh, it's this registration that they use to um, to oppose the Miley Cyrus application. Had you heard? Had, did you know of this company before this case? No, to be honest, I, I, I hadn't hadn't heard of them. No. Okay, but um, before we get into talking about the opposition, there was one thing which uh, I feel like I should explain. Um, I want to take a minute just to mention about the uh, the court that issued the decision that we're about to talk about you know just okay. in case some some listeners aren't familiar with the structure of the eu courts and to be honest this adds um quite a lot of significance to the decision because you know when a decision comes from a court which is higher up in the court system it's much more persuasive in, in all other future cases and so um so the way that it works uh with with eu oppositions is uh, is when you oppose an eu application these these legal proceedings they're, they're run by the, the institution that grants the trademark registrations, which is, which is called the European Union Intellectual Property Office. And uh, everyone just abbreviates this to EUIPO. And so it's the, um, the opposition division of the EUIPO. These are the guys who make a decision in the first instance, and they have thousands of oppositions come in each year. And, um, and if you're the opponent or if, the, if you're the applicant, and opposition division have have taken a decision in your opposition, and you feel like they've made a mistake, um, then you can appeal it, you know, you can appeal it to a higher level, which is called the EUIPO Boards of Appeal. And in my opinion, this is where it gets gets more interesting, because you're not just arguing about the merits of the case, you're arguing about why the the lower court decided it wrong in the first place. Um, And then, and then I'd say the vast majority of cases don't go up to the board of appeal; they stay at the first level. You get a decision, and then that's that. But then a lot fewer than those do go up to the board of appeal. Um, and but it doesn't it doesn't stop there. Like if you feel that the board of appeal have have made some mistakes when they were deciding the case, then you can appeal it even higher. And this is where it leaves the EU IPO entirely, and it goes to the courts of justice, which is how do I describe it? It's like it's like the, the central and overriding court system in the EU. Like like each country in the EU has its own courts, but when it comes to matters of European Union law, the Courts of Justice is is the highest court. And so everyone, all the EU nations are bound by decisions of the Courts of Justice. If it's on a matter of harmonised European law, so trademark law is harmonised throughout the European Union. So you're but right. It wouldn't- but it wouldn't get there, though,
1: if it wasn't a matter of harmonized European law. Precisely, precisely. Right. So if it goes it. there, that decision binds everybody in the EU, all the EU countries.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's precedent, if you will. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Is this is this the same way the Supreme Court works in the States, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so the Court of Justice, this is where the Miley case came from. So the Court of Justice is split into two. First of all, you get the general court, and these are the guys who issued the decision that we're about to talk about. And um, they come out of a few really important trademark cases each year. And then one step above them is, you know, the final court of appeal, the courts of justice of the European Union. And, um, and when either of these two guys make, make a decision in a trademark case, it can be incredibly important. Like the idea is that, like you were saying, they provide clarity on European law. And so whatever they decide, can quickly change the whole landscape of trademark law throughout the, throughout the EU. Yeah, you, know, you know what else
1: is stunning, though, is on a practical level, how much yeah. money you have to spend. Because <laughs> you've just mentioned several layers. You start at the EU um, IPO, then you go to the EU boards of appeal. Exactly. right? Then you go to the... Uh, if, so that's expensive. That costs money because you said hardly any even leave the EU IPO, right? They don't go up to the boards of appeal. Then, then you go to the general court. The general court. Yeah. Then you go to the above that. So if you have to get that high, you have spent a lot of money.
2: And you've spent a lot of time. Because like you yeah. were saying at the beginning, this, uh, this opposition, the one we were describing, Cyrus versus Miley Cyrus, this was filed in 2014. So that was, that was seven years ago. Yeah. That's how long these guys have been in this legal battle fighting each other over this trademark. And that's that's the reason why I wanted to describe the court structure, to give an impression of how long it's lasted and how important it must be to them. Yeah, that's really useful, Rob. I'm glad you went through that
1: before we now dig into the actual matter at hand.
2: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, back to the actual case. The ground position that that Cyrus relied on, which which means like the, the legal argument for opposing Miley's registration, is that consumers would be confused between the two marks. And in the EU, I don't know about the, EU, the US, but in the EU, this analysis is, um, is, is a three step process. So the first question you ask yourself is Are the marks similar? And the second question is Are the goods and services similar? And then the third question is looking at all of the specific factors of the case, are consumers likely to be confused? And so it's
1: similar, similar to the US state. They- There's other little things like, is it likely that the two would connect over time, you know, if they're different, but are they similar enough that they might connect? But basically, it's the same exact mentality that you just laid out in the U.S.
2: Yeah, exactly. And in this case, in this case, the goods and services um, were similar. Like the application, like the Cyrus application and the earlier registration, they kind of covered the same sort of stuff. So there wasn't much interesting argument around this. It's it's the first step in the process. The... um, comparing the two marks
1: that
2: we're we're gonna talk about. Okay. And so so the methodology that we use when we're comparing two trademarks in the EU is to measure three specific factors, three specific types of similarity between the marks. And these are visual, so like whether the marks look similar, Uh, phonetic, so whether they sound similar, and then conceptual, which is whether the marks have a, a similar meaning. And then after you've looked at all three of these factors, um, and based on on the outcome, you decide the overall degree of similarity between the marks. And um, lots of of other factors come into play here, like in different scenarios, different types of similarity can be more important, Um, like when you're working out the overall degrees. For example, um, if I was to go to the pub later on this evening and go to the bar and order a beer, then it's the way that the mark sounds that's going to be important, because I'm ordering the product out loud i'm, I'm right. telling the bartender which one i want and then um i guess on the other hand uh if i was doing some online shopping on amazon then i'm not really going to be saying the product i'm not going to be <laughs> saying the trademark out loud to anyone so it's the way that it looks to me that's this important and so um so that's visual that's that's phonetic and in general if you've got two marks which are visually and phonetically similar like cyrus and miley cyrus like they overlap in, in the word Cyrus. That's that's visual similarity right there. That's yeah. Similarity. If you've got those two in the bag, then normally there's the, the two marks are going to be similar overall. But the conceptual comparison, that can be really important. And the conceptual comparison is the really interesting part of, um, of this decision. And this is where it becomes relevant that the mark in question, Miley Cyrus, is the name of a famous person. You know, because the, the key thing here is that even when the marks are visually and phonetically really similar. If the conceptual difference is big enough, then this can outweigh the visual and phonetic similarities and the marks will be dissimilar overall. And and when it comes to celebrities applying to register their names as trademarks, you're in a situation where consumers, they know what that trademark means. It's it's the celebrity's name and as you'd expect, this this has like a massive impact on on the conceptual comparison. So because Miley Cyrus is so famous, exactly, when people
1: yeah. see Miley Cyrus, they think yeah. of something very different than Cyrus. And I think yeah. the court even mentioned in this case that Miley Cyrus never goes by Cyrus. Yeah. Like Absolutely. I've known of this person for a dozen years and no one has ever said Cyrus. They always say Miley Cyrus. Sometimes yeah. they say Miley
2: and Miley Cyrus, <laughs> but never Cyrus. And that was another point, right? That came into play when when um when the general court who made this decision when they'd already decided in favor of, of miley the other guys were arguing that cyrus has the same conceptual meaning as miley cyrus because it's her last name you know they were trying to draw analogies right yeah to, to famous people who go by their full name and their they're, they're like, i'm trying to think of some good examples like biden joe biden it means the same yeah. guy right if i said by if i said washington or george washington you know like they go by their last name or like uh, Ronaldo, like famous uh, soccer yeah. player, people like that. And so they are yeah. trying to think Cyrus has the same meaning, but the general court had none of it because, like you said, there was absolutely no evidence that throughout any part of her career she ever referred to herself as just Cyrus. She's always Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that
1: seemed to have an impact. So when yeah. people see Miley Cyrus, they know that it's not, or they don't think of Cyrus.
2: Yeah, exactly. They think of Miley Cyrus, don't
1: they? Yeah, and that was was that there was that really the big thing that saved us that saved Smiley Miley Incorporated was that that Miley Cyrus as a name is very famous and it puts something into people's brains that is very different than just Cyrus, right? Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. So there's a difference between them.
1: You know, it's it's funny because when I think of it, so in the U.S. we have this thing called the Lanham Act. And the yeah. Lanham Act has two basic causes of action for uh, in trademark matters. One is infringement based upon likelihood of confusion, and one is based upon something called dilution. And in order to have a cause of action for dilution, you must have a famous mark. So yeah. if I set up a kayak business and I call it Nike and I have the swoosh, it doesn't matter that people wouldn't think Nike was going to get into the kayak business because it's so famous that I'm actually diluting their mark by using it on my kayak business with the swoosh, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking
2: of. Even though it's not the same thing with yeah. you, it's a similar concept, right? And very relevant. Very relevant. We'll get onto this because there was some confusion between those two concepts. at the Brilliant. The so I'm yeah. a sh- I'm the perfect shill for you. I set you up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have we have a similar uh, we have a similar uh, trademark laws in the UK and EU, which protects famous marks from being diluted, and being damaged and being tarnished. But they go a little, they go a bit further than that. And they also, um, they allow you to stop someone taking unfair advantage of your mark. So the, the expression we use is riding on your coattails. So that like guy that. who's selling Nike kayaks, um, everyone would go along and be like, well, I know you're not Nike, but I like Nike. So I'm going to try your kayaks. Right. So that, <laughs> that, that gives Nike grounds to stop them doing that. Yeah, that's, that's the unfair advantage limit. But it's, yeah, it's very similar stuff to, to what you guys have in the US.
1: Yeah, but it's, what's interesting here is normally these Lanamac cases on anti-dilution are a famous mark that's first. Somebody else tries to get in and ride on their coattails and diminishes their brand. This is the reverse. Exactly. Cyrus came first. So yeah. it's like my, Smiley Miley Inc., with the Miley Cyrus mark comes second. And they're yeah. using the fact that they're famous to not block Cyrus because Cyrus came first, but to get in at
2: all, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. And that, the fact that it's backwards to how it normally works Yeah. caused some confusion at the Board of Appeal. Um, and so, so we, we can get into that, but I think before we explain what happened at the Board of Appeal, we have to kind of start with what happens at the first level. And okay, like, let's do that. Very, let's, very quickly, yeah. Comparing the two marks, Miley Cyrus and Cyrus, uh, they were visually and phonetically similar because uh, what the EU IPA thought was when, when consumers, um, when it came to how they would see the marks and how they would pronounce the marks, they were, they were close, they were similar. And So the next step is to look at what the marks mean, right? And um, before we get into the, the intricate meanings that, that were ascribed to it, you know, all, all of the, um, the fame of her and everything, what they said originally was that it had no meaning. Like, like you said in your intro, yes. I, yes. wrote it down. I wrote it down. There is no such thing as a Miley, a Cyrus, or even a Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I like that. I, yeah, I don't get it. Like they work in a very algorithmic way. Like the first yeah. part, this, 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 um, this first level, the opposition division, like the first level where you file an opposition, like the first part of, of the conceptual comparison for them is to pick up a dictionary and see if, if the mark has a meaning. Or in fact, I guess they pick up a whole load of dictionaries because they've got to check for meanings in every language in the EU. Right. right. And, um, if a trademark is, is like an expression, like it's made up of more than one word, then they'd add them all together and see if it has an overall meaning, like, I don't know, like um, coffee and, and mug, and then you get coffee mug. You know, like yeah. they'll squish it all together and then they'll see if there's, if there's a meaning. And, and if they don't find one, like when they said there's no such thing as a Miley. Cyrus, or even a Miley Cyrus, when they don't find a conceptual meaning, they can't do the conceptual comparison. So they say that the outcome of the comparison is neutral, which means. That they said
1: m- this at the e, they said this at the EUIPO.
2: Yeah, yeah, at the very first. And then, and then they then they
1: sincerely hoped that the arbitrator or the judge at the EUIPO had no kids who were. 12 years old and watch <laughs> Miley Cyrus, right?
2: Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like, to me, this is just my opinion, but it seems a bit blind to the facts because surely they know who she is. Like, she's not yeah. just famous, she's world famous. Like, when they got the case in front of them and all the all of the evidence in the papers and the arguments, they must have looked at the very top where it says Miley Cyrus. Yeah. a bit excited. and go, oh, she's famous, guys. <laughs> she's, right.
1: Yeah. I don't care but, what your technical you know technical analysis says i watch her all the time she's
2: famous (laughs) exactly exactly so um so yeah they decided that the conceptual comparison was neutral which means that it's not a point in favor of there being similarity it's not a point in favor of there not being similarity. it's just it's just neutral
1: so they essentially take it off the
2: table yeah yeah and then they go back to just fanatic and visual and then the marks were similar the goods were similar and then the opposition won and her trademark application was rejected and so smiley miley inc weren't having that and they appealed this to the board of appeal which is step two cha-ching cha-ching more mice hang on a second like the miley cyrus name is famous Um, yeah you know when it's used as a trademark consumers know what it means um because it is miley cyrus's Mm -hmm. name and consumers know who she is so this meaning is completely different to the cyrus trademark and this conceptual difference is big enough to overpower the other similarities and they were basically, you know, making this argument to get the point across that consumers will not be confused and the opposition should not have won. Um, but as, as we were just discussing it, you know, how I said the Board of appeal, um, the way that the General Court um, explained the Board of Appeals' decision, they said that the Board of appeal didn't really fully grasp where Miley Cyrus was going with this argument because they just said, you know, you're the applicant here. Like, how famous your mark is doesn't matter. Because just like you were saying in the US. Yes, yes. And in protection, you get this additional protection if you have a reputation. If your trademark is famous, then you can prevent other people from using or registering marks which are going to dilute your brand. But and you don't have a trademark. Yeah. And right? so the Board, Appeal, the Board of Appeal thought that Miley was making this argument. Mm-hmm. And they, they were just saying like, um, you know, that... Sorry, I'm a bit lost. I can't really. <laughs> no, 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 Yeah, no, it, 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 It's the reverse argument. That's yeah. what confused them
1: a bit. Is yeah. that normally it's a register, it's a a trademark that's already out there, that's famous, yeah, that's yeah. being infringed upon by someone else. In this case, the famous one isn't out there yet.
2: Exactly, and it must be confusing because I just tripped myself up thinking about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's right.
2: I'm what confused with the uh, Miley. <laughs> it looked like it was on the attack. And they were saying, no, 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 you're defending. You know, your reputation doesn't matter. We don't take yes. that. Yes. We don't take that. Like, you're, you're, the fact that your name is famous, and, and they, they admitted that. They said, Oh, that, yeah, because they're confusing, damaging your reputation yeah.
1: versus, versus confusing similarity.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And they said, they said you're the applicant. The fact <laughs> that your name is famous uh, and the mark is your name. Doesn't matter. We're not interested in how famous your mark is, and so the entire argument was kicked out. And so the right. board of appeal upheld the opposition. They said the yeah. opposition, stands and that your mark is still rejected, your application is still refused. But this is this is really important, right? What they said was, we know you're famous, Miley but that doesn't matter. And so then, when Smiley Miley appeal this up to the general court, and then the general court is reaching uh, their own decision on the conceptual similarity. They saw that the Board of Appeal had admitted that Miley Cyrus was famous. And so, according to the general court, the Board of Appeal should have concluded, you know, based on the fact that she's famous, that the public were likely to make a conceptual association between the trademark Miley Cyrus and the famous singer Miley Cyrus, which means that the Miley Cyrus trademark has a conceptual meaning. So it's not neutral, the way that they had maintained up until this point. And then, and then the general court went even like one step further and they said, not only Miley Cyrus, the trademark, have a conceptual meaning, but this is exactly the kind of circumstance when this conceptual meaning is so different to the other mark that it outweighs all of the similarities between them. And so even though the marks are visually and phonetically similar, they have such different meanings that the marks aren't similar overall. And when the marks aren't similar, the consumer confusion ground of opposition, that fails, that falls away. And so the earlier decisions, the, the Board of Appeal and the Opposition Division, they were overturned. And um, and it looks like Miley's finally going to get a registration of her trademark. Yeah, 70, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Something. Yeah, it's interesting because it really
1: comes down to, will the marketplace be confused, right? Yeah. If that company, Cyrus, had originally... Secured trademark protection on Miley Cyrus. You know, because let's say that before Miley Cyrus became famous, let's say they had it 30 years ago. Mm. Then Miley Cyrus comes in and tries to get, or Smiley Miley Inc. comes in, then tries to get Miley Cyrus. Very different outcome, I'll bet, because it's the same, because we're no longer, because again, they don't use the name cyrus alone they always use miley cyrus which puts something in my mind yeah but if it was miley cyrus the same trademark it would have blocked miley cyrus probably because now
2: it would have been closer it would have been a lot closer i think it wouldn't be well how could you how could you have a conceptual difference if they're exactly the same mark i don't know like imagine imagine two generations from now you have the biggest superstar in the world is called Coca-Cola, like that's his name, like he's a rapper yeah. or something. And imagine Coca-Cola is trying to get a registration of his name, but Coca-Cola is saying, hang on a second, you can't have that. I imagine, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but maybe the, uh, the courts would say, you know, that, that consumers would look at Coca-Cola the rapper and think, oh, that's clearly Coca-Cola the rapper," so that they should be able to have a registration for some goods, I
1: guess. But I think you'd have to have a logo.
2: You'd have to have something more than
1: Coca-Cola. Like, if Coca-Cola, the rapper, had, like, this this rainbow or something, you know, like, is <laughs> Coca-Cola believed in the rainbow movement, whatever that is. But yeah. it seems like if it's exactly the same mark, you wouldn't yeah. know which it was. Is it
2: Coca-Cola, the rapper, or Coca-Cola, the soft drink? I don't know, man. Bad, bad example, maybe. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, that, doesn't the similarity of the goods or services come into play at some point? I
1: mean... Oh, well, yeah, because yeah, you're going to go back to that. In this case, with Miley, they were overlapping, but... With Coca-Cola, maybe Coca-Cola is going to have the sneakers. And although in the U.S., Coca-Cola is a famous mark. Yeah. So you're screwed anyway.
2: Exactly. But here's,
1: I I read an interesting (laughs) comment on this. And I'll just read it word for word. The threshold at which conceptual differences may be found to counteract phonetic and visual similarities is still unclear. The threshold, like where is that line? Everyone oh, yeah. has heard of Miley Cyrus, but what about lesser known celebrities? Yeah, I'm sure that there's a big fight when you come up with someone who's, you know, not quite so well known as Miley Cyrus, you know, not an international pop star, but I'll give you an example. My my ex-wife has a boyfriend, okay? And this guy's like pure Buffalonian. That's the town we're from. Everything right. Buffalo. Buffalo's the center of the universe. They go to right. Chicago and they go to a, a football game in Chicago. And my brother's at the game, and he's overhearing my ex-wife's boyfriend, Steve, arguing with some 25-year-old. How could you not know who Jim Kelly is? Everyone knows who Jim Kelly is. Jim Kelly's the most famous quarterback of all time. And this uh-huh. 25-year-old's like, Who the hell is Jim Kelly? So Jim Kelly, who you might not know, Rob, I hope you don't no. know him because, yeah, Jim Kelly is the most famous Buffalo quarterback of all time but no one outside of my generation in america would know who that is so that would be a good example where if jim kelly tried to get a jim kelly trademark or block someone they yeah. might say you're not famous enough it doesn't create that conceptual connection for enough people that we're going to let you block someone else or we're going to let you overcome an opposition. Because you're Jim Kelly and you're not Miley Cyrus, right? There's a threshold and we don't know what that
2: is. Well, I guess that answers the question. Because if you've got, what's his name? Jim Kelly, right? Yeah. If you've got the Jim Kellys of this world, the uh, maybe they were huge celebrities in their day, but their, their star has like dulled. You know, they're not as famous these days with like the younger generation. Or maybe you've got... Celebrities who who think they're famous <laughs> aren't nearly yeah. as famous. Isn't like, <laughs> you've got these guys involving themselves in trademark disputes, and if they do get into these trademark disputes and they do try and run this argument, they're like, "I'm like Miley Cyrus. I'm so famous that I should get my I should get my <laughs> register Yeah,
1: I'm Rob McLaughlin.
2: I mean, I'm a famous
1: <laughs> trademark lawyer. I'm like, internationally known, especially after this podcast, Rob. But <laughs> are you big enough? that you could per- block someone from opposing your
2: round with Lachlan trademark yeah. or block someone from infringing it? Well, that's point, the question. My point was the more people try, the more decisions we're gonna get, the more data we're gonna have. Yes, yes. Quality, and then we'll be able to say, oh, you're not quite a Miley, but you're not quite a Jim Kelly. So, you know, you're in the middle. So I think what's, what's really important actually is, is this question of like proving how famous you are with evidence. And I mentioned this before before the call but evidence was barely involved for like some very weird reasons um quite technical reasons actually but um essentially like that's that's one of the most intriguing parts of the decision I think is is um I mean you, you know how much evidence is required to prove that your trademark is famous in the US right absolutely well it's the same in the EU like you need to convince the courts that your mark is um, has a reputation in a substantial part of the EU, and this involves showing the court, you know, like how many sales you make, how much revenue you have, how big your advertising budget is, how the media love your brand, how you have this huge following, and, and so on. But in this case, in the Miley Cyrus case, there was only a tiny bit of evidence which was filed at like the very first stages of the proceedings, and it was like some website screenshots and some social media screenshots. And this is but Absolutely. Miley's rich. Miley has enough
1: money to hire any lawyers. Why wouldn't yeah, the lawyers
2: and have had all the evidence
1: exactly? Yeah, why wouldn't
2: they have done that? Because I guess um, it's Miley. She's so famous, you don't need to do it. Exactly. I mean, that's eventually what happened. I don't know. I can't. I can't guess why they didn't file evidence.
1: But, but maybe like, they just thought we don't need it. We're 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 the Beatles of America. We're we're exactly. Miley Cyrus.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, for whatever reason, the only evidence they filed was tiny it was like nowhere near the amount of evidence that would normally be required to prove that a trademark is famous and that a trademark has a reputation and that this trademark entitles you to a wider scope of protection like we're saying and yeah. i think the reason why they got away with like, hardly any is because that wasn't the issue you know that like like we were saying they're not trying to say that their trademark has a reputation they're trying to say that it has a conceptual meaning and that right. this would be understood by the public so right. the issue is not my trademark's famous. It's that Miley Cyrus is famous.
1: And it helped that the the, uh, boards of appeal acknowledged that yes, yes, everyone knows Miley Cyrus.
2: Yeah, they said- We get it, Miley, you're great. We get it. (laughs) 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 They said you might be famous, but that doesn't matter to us. Yeah, we don't care. In fact,
1: the fact that you're famous, we don't like you at all, Miley. Sounds like they were
0: a little jealous maybe.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's like, oh, we get it. You're not as famous as our queen, that's for sure. You're yeah. not as famous as the royal family, Miley. Yeah.
2: Well, they have their own trademark problems sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another story. That's another. Yeah, story. that's for
1: a different yeah, podcast. That's for the next podcast. But Rob, this thanks. has been a great, yeah, great I'm, podcast. I'm really enjoying so I've much. enjoyed it. Yeah.
0: Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for this. Um, and if if you've been watching out there, you have millions and millions of followers, and you've enjoyed this. Make sure to uh, hit the subscribe button if you're on YouTube. Share the link with your friends wherever you're
1: listening. And And, And use Rob's law firm. This guy right here knows it all about trademarks all over the EU. Use this guy. He's fantastic.
0: See you later, everyone.